and welcome back into the relegated FC podcast. What a wild weekend match day two was. We're glad to have you back in the mix. Um, we have our latest member of the podcast, Mr. Kevin, a.k.a. Steak Sauce, joining us tonight. He wasn't able to join us last weekend. We're glad to glad to have him in. Um, we want to start off tonight with Steak giving Isaac Kimes, one of our co-hosts, a little a little shakedown. So, Steak Sauce, take over, buddy. What's up, guys? I'm excited. I uh, we had Isaac on our sister podcast, Hour After Hours, and I uh, was unable to ask him a question, so I'm going to steal this chance to do it now. Isaac, um, your sister, Mina Kimes, football genius for ESPN, she's playing a game of horse against Russell Wilson. Loser has to retire from their profession immediately. Who are you rooting for? Oh, man. I mean, I've got my my sister, my one and only sister, my my blood, my kin, the person that has that I've grown up with my entire life, moved across the country with several times, and then I've got the, the chosen one, Russ, and Russ we trust, future U.S. Senator, future president, Super Bowl champion, just one of the nicest nerds that's ever played the game. Uh, this is a tough one. I have to say, though, that I remain bitter from losing the one and only geography B that I ever lost in eighth grade when my sister was in seventh grade. And guess what? I lost to my sister. And, and I remain bitter about that to this day. And, and as a result of that bitterness and as a result of me wanting to continue to root for the Seahawks uh, and Russ indefinitely, because I think he's going to play into his 50s the way that he takes care of himself. I'm going to be rooting against my sister, and uh, I think she'll be okay. Thanks, man. I didn't expect that, but uh, the way Russell played yesterday, I could see it. <laughs> you didn't expect <laughs> Do you – I'm a competitive guy, and uh, – about the geography, B? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's a deal breaker right there. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it just, it just, this, the shot, I live in the shadow and, the, and, and if I can just <laughs> narrow down that shadow just a little further. Yeah. And the, and the geography, be remember, I, uh, that sting still lasts forever. <laughs> so, I mean, it, the way Russell played yesterday certainly helps. That was the, your, your nightcap, a beautiful cap to your day. How did your day start as a Tottenham fan? How was it? Man, it started with setting my alarm at 5.55 a.m. And, and waking up and, and, and watching Tottenham play. And uh, I think maybe I'll get more into the Tottenham match um, as we run down the matches. And because uh, and I, I got a lot to say about that. But, of course, we did win 5-2 to two decisively. And uh, it was a fantastic start to the day. And then 7.20 p.m. kickoff against the hated Patriots fourth time we've played them in the Russell Wilson area well era and three out of four times it's come down to a goal line play and 10 40 p.m my heart is racing as I stand up and watch one last play with Cam Newton sure thing trying to get it in from the one and we got the stop we got the win the win all right enough of this American football nonsense Let's get back to European football, mates. Starting off with our recaps. There's only one that we can go to, the, the home hitter for us, our resident Tottenham fan, Isaac. What a, what a day it was for the Spurs. 
goal after goal. Hell of a match. Go ahead. Thanks, Drake. It, it was a great match. I, I want to start with some of my observations um, feel, uh, folding into also match day one. Uh, and we will get to, of course, uh, Everton winning. Uh, and, and Everton winning in match day two made Tottenham's capitulation seem not as bad. I agree. But, I agree 100%. That, that definitely um, solidifies Everton as being more of what a lot of people thought they would um, and, and takes a little bit of a monkey off of, off of Tottenham's back. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to say that Everton's for real. Of course, they were playing West Brom, and, and we're getting off topic here uh, from Tottenham. But Tottenham, the center backs remain an issue, and that was evident in – Southampton's first goal when Danny Ings took a, a, a long overhead pass from former Tottenham player Kyle Walker-Peters, who was out on loan uh, for Southampton uh, much of last season, and we ended up selling him in kind of a hybrid-type trade deal where we picked up Pierre-Emerick uh, Hoiberg from mm-hmm. – um, from, uh, or maybe not Pierre-Emerick, but Pierre Hoiberg from Southampton. And um, so the center backs remain an issue yeah. because on that <laughs> you, play – you yeah, wish you had Pierre Emmerich Obama Yang. <laughs> I do. I love Abba. And, that dude's uh, a baller. Abba hater. He's he is a baller. And uh, some of the more bitter Tottenham fans don't rate him because he likes crazy haircuts. I like crazy haircuts. So he's he, he if he wants to cut in some stars into his fade, I'm all for that. I, I don't I don't get why that makes him uh, a joke to some. But anyways, so the center backs remain an issue. Uh, Dyer and Sanchez do not look like elite center backs. And Toby Alderville is old. So there, there remains to be a concern there. And I think that, that Daniel Levy needs to address that as the transfer market, market continues into October. Um, but he showed resilience. And at the end of the first half, we got a goal against the run of play with um, just a world-class roulette turn from Tangi and Dombele, where he basically shouldered off a player then rouletted, which is basically like a, a spin move, like a, an NFL player making a spin move through traffic. It's, it's the circle button in Madden. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So to those folks who can relate to Madden to everything, it's a circle button. And it was just insane. And it, it was a world-class move. And he dished it off to Kane. And Kane one-touched it to an onrushing son. Arguably, the um, goalie could have come out and, and maybe – put more pressure on Son, but he came out and he backed up. So he was a little bit in no man's land and Son is just ruthless. He's a gunman and he put it away. And in the 46 minute uh, in the end, near the end of the first half, we were tied one-to-one very unexpectedly. And um, from there, it just turned into the Son Kane show with three more assists to Son from Kane uh, for, Kane, for Son to get his first hat trick and, and the four bagger, which is, I guess what I'll call it. And the assists were just of the highest quality. I mean, they were top incredible. Top class, top class. I mean, you know, he, he's just a complete player, Harry Kane. And I know Song got the man of the match, but in my opinion, Kane deserves the man of the match because these, these passes to set up Song were just unreal. This wasn't Song dribbling through uh, 10 players like he did last season for the Premier League goal of the season. Uh, this was Song getting well-played balls in a position where he could attack and just ruthlessly finish uh, as one of the pre- as one of the premier um, commentators called him the cheap executioner. 
And uh, the goal, the passes were just unreal. And by the way, the commentary for new fans is just, it's just something to behold. Some of the stuff these guys say is just so clever, so witty, so well thought out. They're just, they're, the eloquence and the, it's just very British. I mean, let's just be honest with, yep. it, with what it is. Um, the passes, and I just want to highlight the passes and then, um, and then call it a day on this. Uh, Kane found him on the one touch for the first goal. Um, and then on the second, he uh, found – he just looked up and – or I'm sorry, the second, he did a soft weighted through pass on the turf. And then the third was a over – over, straight over their defenders. And then the fourth was a cross uh, that bounced up and Son was able to finish. Just, just a quick glance, and he was there, and he was making that pass. The last observation I have was just that um, the premiership uh, and I guess Peacock or whatever the hell, NBC, I know there's lots of uh, – drama around Peacock Premium, and I don't know we're going to get into that today. But one good thing that they're doing is this new overhead view. And this new overhead view was badass. And it showed yeah. some of these passes in a way that was some of the coolest angles I've seen in my uh, football and watching. So overall, very pleased. Uh, I'm wearing my 1960s era uh, Tottenham uh, shirt as we record this pod. Uh, very pleased. And uh, go Spurs. Yeah, man, I, I agree 100%. And the, the Kane assists, man, they were – like you said, the new, the new angles show just how difficult those passes were. And I think that's one thing that a lot of Americans don't understand and respect is how hard the game actually is and how easy these dudes make it look. Like, those passes that he, were, he made, like – <laughs> There's not a, a common American who could even come within 50 yards, 20 yards of those passes that he was making. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the only thing I could liken it to is going back to Seahawks was the way that Russell Wilson dropped those breadbasket passes into DK Metcalf and into Chris Carson. Just the weight of the pass, the angle – but yeah. I think Drake is right. There isn't a common denominator necessarily. And we're talking about just world-class play uh, from Kane and from Son, who I am also ready to call world-class. And that's a term that maybe we can discuss at some other time, which is also a very controversial footballing term, world-class. Well, to, to piggyback off that, Isaac, I think that's one thing that speaks to the level of play throughout the EPL is, you know, Tottenham has two – and I'll go ahead and say it, international stars, you know, on their team and Kane and Son. And, you know, they finished, they finished what in the table the last couple seasons? Not, not top four, right? Last season, six. I want to say six. the season before we were four, four. And then season before that, we were, you know, three and three. two. So, you know, last season was disappointing. Six. Okay. Not, gotcha. not good. Not, top, not the so, way that we want to see things in, in North London. All right, so Kevin is our new um, amateur rookie soccer fan. So speaking of weighted passes, I'm going to give you a little comp here. Who would you say is the best weighted passer in the NBA? Very heavy, heavily weighted. Who's that? Nikola Jokic. Jokic? I like it. The newcomer as well. He's got a lot of weight and he's a good passer. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into our um, 
match recaps a little bit. Well, speaking of, before we get there, there was a quite a bit of noise made in the Spurs land. Somebody by the name of Gareth Bale, maybe a few of you have heard of him. He uh, carries a bit of a weight himself as far as popularity, um, bringing a ton of energy back back to the Spurs fan base, Isaac. Go ahead and take over. We know you got. We know you got some on this. You Tottenham, Tottenham Homer. I, I do, and I, I don't want to consolidate the whole podcast around Tottenham. And that's by no means the intention of relegated FC. By the way, at all, at all. We like the bottom it's, three. Yeah, exactly. We we want to dwell in the bottom three land. That's where we like to live. But alas, uh, we did have a, a a just a shocking transfer move. Uh, in the past couple of weeks. Maybe it's been in the works for a while. I mean, we will never know. And, and all or nothing will probably not reveal the details to which Daniel Levy has been working this deal with the ownership of Real Madrid, who, of course, we do have a good relationship. In fact, that's where Gareth Bale was sent off to. Um, but before I even get to Bale, I mean, really, the, the, the bigger transfer is getting Reguillon, that star left back, who is also owned by Real Madrid, but had been loaned out on a season-long loan for Sevilla and was one of the, it was in the team of the season for Sevilla who won the Europa uh, Cup. So, I mean, this is a young, talented left back who's going to attack and defend in a way that we haven't seen since the prime of Danny Rose over at Tottenham. So that, that, that's just really, for me, the more practically exciting thing. But, of course, the emotion of Gareth Bale bringing back a player who for several seasons was – just one of the brightest young talents in the world who scored goals that when you watch these replays of Gareth Bale scoring goals at Tottenham, it's, it's something, it's a combination of power and speed. The only player that I can liken it to, and my mom, uh, Sun Min, who, who's one of her favorite players non-Tottenham wise, is maybe a Sadio Mane. And I know they're different, certainly, Bale and Mane, but it, it's, it's a rare combination of speed, power, and skill that I think that Gareth Bale has and that Mane has. And, and with Bale, you just have the excitement. And, and really, it's, 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 he's the one that can unite us. And I think that Tottenham has had some fracturing. Uh, you know, we had Pochettino. He was just this emotional, amazing Argentinian coach that took us to, to great heights uh, where we got third, then we got second. And, and, and then he made, took us to the Champions League final. And, you know, we just never did get that cup or get that trophy. But he took us to places that, that, that no Tottenham fan ever thought possible. We used to just be a mid-table club. And, and then it fell apart. And, and fans were concerned. And Jose Mourinho, the, the special one, was brought in. And it hasn't been so special. Uh, and, and, and people were wondering if Levy was going to back him. And I think now the question's been answered. He's going to back him. So I think, obviously, this is not anywhere close to – this is not something like LeBron going home to Cleveland, but I think this is could be somewhat close to Dwayne Wade's stint after he went to Chicago, him coming back to Miami, some type of feel towards that. Not, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't win a championship. Um, he didn't win a premier league title with um, Tottenham, but I, I have those same, same type vibes. Yeah, that leads into my question for, for you, Isaac. So is a return like that celebrated in the EPL by most fans? Because it just kind of feels like he left in his prime. He went off, had a bunch of fun um, with 100 goals and four Champions Leagues. And now he's on the decline. 
and wants to come back home. Because I feel like here yeah, in America, the, that would not be celebrated. Yeah, there's no doubt that he, he'll never be the player that he once was. But, I mean, he's 31. You look at some of the top players across the league, they're still in their young 30s. And it's nothing that is looked, you know, so negatively upon. But, I mean, this is a player that in, in the last couple of seasons has been maligned at Madrid, not favored by the fans, not favored by the ownership. He very famously held up a flag that said something like golf, Wales, Madrid, just like in three words. Like that was like his priority. He's a big golfer, by the way. He's like specifically he's going to live in some complex that has like a golf course on it, by the way. this is We're talking about Gareth Bell here. So, I mean, I think fans overall have to be welcoming of the fact that he's, that he's coming back. It's just he, he is a superstar of the highest level. And they're just we, – we don't have that at Tottenham. I mean, you, like you said earlier, certainly you've got two of them in, in, in Harry Kane and Tom and Son, but they haven't won the Champions League. They haven't won it all. This guy's won it all several times over. And he just brings that – like I think – like I said earlier, he's going to unify the club and, and bring us and, – and bring that unity and hopefully consolidate things into, into a, a time we can, when we can finally win something. All right. Enough of that Tottenham garbage. Get out of here. We know y'all are going to finish eighth in the table. Moving on. Our next matchup on the marquee, we're going to go with a team who usually finishes around eighth in the table, but we all as a group feel like they have a decent chance of making making a top six, top four push, and that is Everton, the Everton Toffees. They matched up against West Bromwich Albion this weekend and put up a five spot on West Brom. A hat trick from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, the newcomer, James Rodriguez, got on the score sheet as well as Michael Kane. Um, James Rodriguez is a newcomer, and I must, I would assume that – not gosh, not to bring up Tottenham again, but I would assume that's somewhat of a uh, – of the reaction that Tottenham hopes to get out of the bail that, that James is bringing, um, bringing to Everton. Yeah, so my biggest takeaway from that match was, uh, well, for one, West Brom's uniforms. I just They're so cool. Uh, but there was a sequence in which VAR was involved around the 30th minute, I think, where a goal for Everton was called offsides. And it's something that, you know, the human eye just could not catch in real time. But, you know, when they went to VAR, it was like just – barely misses one of Everton's players that was offside, hits a defender for West Brom, and then uh, someone else from Everton comes in and, and, and bams it into for a goal. But I, that, you know, just made me fall back in love with VAR, and I really, you know, I wish that was around when I was watching soccer really intently as a kid because, you know, there's so many calls that just frustrate the heck out of you as a fan, you know, when you're passionate about it too. Um, and I just, Eric, what is what is VAR, Eric? Uh, what does it stand for? Video, virtual assistant Vir- referee, or video? It's video or virtual? Video Same virtual. Thing. Yeah, but it's I think based, it's video. Yeah, I think it's video. Yeah, it's the way the EPL has it. It's just the coolest technology that just gives you like the slightest detail that I don't think any other league uses it as you know as good as as they do, um, and as efficiently as they do. Uh, to get you, you know, the, the the correct call just about every time. 
Did, oh, Eric, uh, yeah, I don't know. I might have some disagreements on that, but and Drake, what do you Dravar, pro, con, what do you think? I mean, now that it's here, I like it because it, it gets stuff right, but man, it kills the energy of goals. And it's, you can just tell that when, when somebody scores and if there's even a fraction of it being close there, it's just not there. And it's, it's the worst, especially when, when fans are in the building and it, and every go, everyone goes crazy and nuts. And then you see the referee tap his ear and do that little thing. And it, it just kills the entire game. But it, but it adds intensity. It's like double the intensity. Because if you're into it, you know, and they score, you're like, oh, crap. Like, you know, you cheer, and then it's like, all right, bar time. And then you get, like, another little little rush of, okay, what do we got here? Yeah, but it's – no, you're wrong. Sorry. You're just wrong. All right, up next on the slate, we have the newcomers, newly promoted Leeds United and Fulham Football Club, both um, – Newly promoted, both took L's last week. Um, Leeds won in an exciting 4-3 score. Um, Leeds was up, got up big 4-1, and Fulham and Fulham um, chipped away and, and came back into the fold. Yeah, the the thing I liked the most about this match was Costa's goals. Uh, he, I said this earlier, but he just was at the right place at the right time. But not only that, the the just the angles he was in, uh, it made to where it made it to where he needed to kick the ball just perfectly to get him in, and and he did both times. So I thought that was uh, that was cool to kind of see see him grow um, as a player for sure. Agreed. And we we tried to warn y'all last week. Leeds Leeds United is here um, to stay in the Premier League. I feel like I feel like they're going to be mid table at minimum. I don't see them in the in the battle for for relegation, um, but this this league is pretty crazy. Yeah, as relegated FC pod, I don't see Leeds being a subject of our discussion. They seem to have invested in the club and are taking this promotion very seriously, you know, contrary to, you know, uh, the way that uh, Norwich handled their promotion last season um, and, and the way that Fulham, I mean, Fulham, you have in a club here that, uh, that had been in the premiership not long ago, and here they are, and they're just looking terrible. Now, of course, they, they weren't horrible against Leeds. I mean, they fought back, and they've got Mitrovic, who is just a beast. Uh, I love Mitrovic. That dude is crazy. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind that that guy is crazy as hell. He just plays with ferocity and aggression and just the way he attacks the ball in the air. I mean, how are you going to stop that? I mean, it's like – it's like Shaq coming down on a dunk. I mean, he just is going to dunk on you in the lane, and he's just a badass. I'm a big Mitrovic fan. I've always kind of hoped that maybe Spurs would try to pick him up as like a backup or anything, but he's not going to back up Kane. He's got to be the guy. Yeah, and and props to him too for sticking out um, his time at Fulham through the championship because they brought him in, I believe, when they when they got promoted um, two years ago, two or three years ago, and he he kind of stuck stuck with him through the championship and got him got him back up. So you always you always love to see that with a guy who who doesn't just bail out as soon as as soon as they get um relegated. So our next game on the slate, our resident Newcastle fan 
is Kevin, a.k.a. Steak Sauce. The Toon Army had a pretty good showing match week one, defeated West Ham 2-0. Steak, this week a different story, buddy. Yeah, that was rough, man. That was my first taste of EPL, and uh, it was ugly. That's all I can say. I uh, woke up seven minutes late because, you know, it came on like 7 a.m. on a Sunday yep. here. My yep. time, and I didn't, I'm a night owl, so – I woke up on about three hours sleep. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's watch this. I turned it on. Two nothing. Or down, down two nothing already. I'm like, oh, that's great. Chris Whittingham told me to expect a lot of one nothing games. Newcastle is going to be very boring and very defensive oriented. And I didn't see any of that defense yesterday. Like, they could have lost by six. Yeah. Um, only highlight, and it wasn't even good for Newcastle, was Jamal Lewis getting super kicked in the face. <laughs> oh, what, what would you uh, – I would compare that probably to the uh... – Sean Michaels um, kick, would you – I mean – I tweeted out, like, when, when Sean Michaels gave Ric Flair that last – High chin music. I said, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only – man, it's just, you can laugh it off. But uh, my first face EPL, as boring as the game was, and my side didn't win, like, that's a whole different class of soccer than I've watched. I watched some MLS and USL, and obviously that's a whole different level, but I felt like I was watching a different sport. It's the speed of everybody – and the perfect passes and just the execution it was amazing. I cannot wait till next weekend. I'm excited. Yeah, man. It's if you've never given the EPL a chance, you really need to. And now's the time, especially with all the talent that these teams are bringing in from all over the world. It's there's goals everywhere, everywhere. Saturday, what did we have? Seven fourteen. We had 17 goals in three games. And people always say, oh, they don't score, they don't score. They were lighting up the score sheet on Saturday. If you watch all those three matches on Saturday, there's zero way um, you could be disappointed. Only disappointed. Yeah, I, I, oh, so I, I want to get more into, to, to, to Newcastle stake and kind of just see what you thought more. I mean, I just think that y'all are going to just have a problem if Andy Carroll – is who you're throwing up top. I mean, this is this is a guy who, you know, is always kind of supposed to have been great and just kind of never really produced other, anything other than being really handsome. And uh, I just don't know how you can think that that is going to be the answer. Now, I do like some of these young players at, at Newcastle. St. Maximum, oh, man, he is cool. He's French. He's 23. He plays with guile. He plays with mystery. But, I mean, Andy Carroll, uh, and, and I do love John Joe Shelby. The guy can pick a pass, but he's, he's, he can be a head case. And, you know, there's a reason he's never been picked for the English squad. I mean, the guy obviously has a talent to make the English squad, but there just is a reason why he's never been picked. And so I do have concerns for Toon Army. What, what else did you see about the game that you thought was a big concern? Well, first, sometimes uh, being handsome and not good at anything worked out for you. I'm proof of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I've, I'm no soccer expert at all, but that looked like the most boring like strategy from Steve Bruce, like uh, formation. It reminded me of those old U.S. national teams. Yeah. They just sit back and just try to counter that. And that's their only plan and the only hope for scoring a goal. Um, I've read, from what I've heard, Ryan Fraser is supposed to be a great creator. Kendrick is supposed to be good. Yeah. But if they don't have anybody to finish and they don't have any, like, set pieces or any, any, anything to, like, really get the offense going, I don't see how they're going to score. 
Yeah, I, and I feel like they have the potential now, especially with, with their new signings of Ryan Fraser and, and Callum Wilson um, to piece together with Joel Linton, who, who was a super bust last year, but he showed talent in the German League. And then Miguel Amiron, which we know had, who lit up um, MLS, which is not a, a legit comp, but, I mean, he's he's shown flashes in the Premier League. And I, I feel like Newcastle has definitely has a chance, but I think they, they definitely need time. Um, to to kind of gel and, and get their get their persona um, together. So the last last match that we'll we'll kind of do a deep dive into is the Manchester United and Crystal Palace game. So Crystal Palace won three to one. Big big shocker um, coming from from the Eagles of Crystal Palace. Big letdown for Manchester United. This this was their first game back um, of the season. After they had they had the the week long break after Europe, um, Crystal Palace man, we said it last week. They they may be a team, a team to make a little bit of noise. Um, I like what they do attacking. They they have some they have a baller in Zaha, which we talked about last week. Um, so I I think that the Eagles could make some noise. Yeah, that was going to be uh, my point. You know, their former player, I think, uh, for Manchester. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, two goals against them. You know, that, that's that's got to sting for sure. And Zaha's a beast. Yeah, I agree. So so let me ask ask you this, Isaac. Um, do you think – do you see this as more impressive by Crystal Palace or more of a letdown by Manchester United? Yeah, I love that kind of a question, and, and I'll give you the old law school answer, which is it depends or it's both. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll quibble. Uh, it's, it's embarrassingly, I think I had picked Man U to be a top four team uh, last week in our prediction season, and uh, yikes, I, the fans are got to be going crazy right now with the capital that they're sitting on and just being probably, I mean, still – one of the top three biggest clubs in the world. Yep. You got Real Madrid, Barcelona. Then you've got then you've got Manchester United. And at one point, they were the biggest club in the world. I mean, they were winning the the treble. They were winning yep. the league. They were winning the Champions League. They were winning domestic cups in the FA Cup. They were winning it all with Sir Alex. And now you've got Ole at the wheel, and uh, he just seems to be crashing and burning. And uh, there's just no excitement there. And, and sure, you know, you had the, the debut, the debutante goal, uh, Donny Vanderbeek, but it, it was, you know, all for naught and yep. not to take any no, fair play to Crystal Palace. You know, I had Crystal Palace as a team in trouble. Yeah, I did. I really did believe that they were in trouble given what I had seen last season and their just sheer inability to score. And something has just changed there. And, and I'm loving what I'm seeing. And Zaha is just out to prove the haters wrong. Uh, he still has it. And he's still strong. He's fast. And he does fit in that mold of what I was talking about earlier, that, that rare quality of strength, speed, and skill. I mean, his ability to just blow by a player, you know, he's going to get past you. And then he can also shoot. But now, back to the VAR issue, the video assistant referee. What do we think about here about the give on the penalty, though, the retake? Oh, Eric, I mean, come on. Did you see that? Fortunately, I did not, but I, I might look at it and, and tell you if uh, if it helped or not. The case well, <laughs> barred my heart. What? <laughs> they, 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 they said that De Gea jumped the line. 
Okay. And as a result, yep. they regave the penalty. And this time, of course, the odds took it because the first one was stuffed. Oh, yeah, Zaha, I did see that. Yeah, I liked it because it gave Zaha the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Now, Zaha made no mistake about it. And he, 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 he kicked what I like to call the unsavable penalty, which is high and to the side. Because the goalies can't dive high and to the side. They can dive to the side. They can dive to the side low. Yep. They can move to the side high, but they can't dive to the side high and to the side. It's not possible. Yeah. I just – so the the other guy is supposed to – is he supposed to be their best player ahead of Zaha? Is that why he was taking it, or is he just supposed to be more precise? Was it Mili Vojevic? I think it was number nine. Um, oh, Drake. You're, Drake's on point, though, because Mili Vojevic has made a, made a career out of taking he, penalties as there, a defensive he, midfielder. There's, there's no he, way that dude was in the game because he always he, – he catches he all, all their penalties. He, That's yeah, exactly that, right. That dude can uh, – It was probably IU. Maybe it was uh, Yeah, it was Jordan IU. So, I uh, – I guess I guess they kind of do a coin flip if if Milivojevic in the game um, and he no he uh, Milivojevic came on late so that would that would be our answer um, so before we we recap um, we go down through the rest of the scores let since we're on the penalty topic let me ask you guys this um, and we'll start with we'll start with Eric um, so my thought process is. I, I just despise the penalty kick. I feel like it it's um it's an over the top advantage for the foul um or the the illegal activity that happens. So my thought process is um instead of giving penalty kicks for fouls within the box, if you foul in the box, automatic red and then you get a free kick from there. So it's not so much an automatic goal, but it's it's much. It's a much more crucial um, element in the defender's head to where there's not as many um, tackles being made in the box, with more shots being allowed to happen, which will also increase excitement with more shots, more goals, more opportunities to score, rather than seeing goals being made at the penalty spot. I would have to disagree with you. Um, just because I like the double, again, going back to the double excitement of the penalty. You first see the foul, and it's like, are they going to call it? Are they not? You know, it, you know, announcers go crazy. Um, and then, obviously, the penalty shot itself. You know, they don't always go in. You've got to be good. You know, you've got to – it's it's not that easy, um, as has been proven, I think, many times. But uh, I, I like the double excitement. But I almost find more excitement in free kicks than I do penalty kicks. Yeah, I'm with you, Drake. A free kick, man, you can do, like, so many things off of it. You don't know if they're just going to, like, put it towards the net or if someone's going to make a run. And then I feel like a, a penalty kick is just, like, it's so decisive. Like, in a, where bulls are at a premium, you know. And it's like <laughs> a, a free throw in the NBA if teams are only scoring, you know, for two or three points a game, you know. And it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't allow for – more skill to be shown compared to a free kick and also the it, it's going to require it would require more skill from the defenders if that were the case to where they're getting sent off if they tackle within the box well i have a potential compromise let's go back to the old mls style penalty kicks where you have to run up with the ball from about the 
uh, I don't maybe not midfield, but you know, farther out than the box. And then that that requires skill. And you know, sometimes when I run, I, I picture myself as Kobe Jones from back in the day. Because you know, that'd be fun just sprinting from you know half field and then you know one on one versus a keeper. That'd be exciting. Dude, sweet shout out to the old MLS penalties because those were I, I – th- I feel like the MLS was really insecure. You know, they were like a new league, and they're like, oh, we're American, and we're trying to start a football. And like, let's make something crazy that's normally in the game, but let's make it crazy. And then they did have that sweet green, white, and blue ball. Um, but, yeah, those 35-yard run-ups were hilarious. And uh, – I highly implore any of our listeners out there to watch a replay of an MLS penalty shootout. Also probably really dangerous actually, because a one-on-one goalie situation has potential for physicality. Um, This is tough. And I I do really enjoy these kinds of discussions on um, the rules of the game and, and fairness. And, and it really plays into kind of as American fans, how we like to think about things like pass interference, you know, in college, versus the NFL, you know, where college is just 15 yards, NFL, it's spot of the foul, which is, can be just a crazy thing, especially if it's like not deserved at all. But um, for me, the idea of a red card is probably not tenable because going from 11 to 10 is just devastation. And what if the penalty or what if the foul in the box is early in the game? contrast that with a penalty given early in the game where, you know what, you go down 1-0. Guess what? Tottenham went down 1-0. And it wasn't a penalty by any means. It was this amazing Danny Ings, you know, far post shot from a tight angle. But we went down 1-0. And, you know, the next thing up, we knew we were up 4-1. So I'm just going to have to disagree with Drake here that that substituting a foul in the box is worthy of a red card. Now, of course, we do have the clear – and uh, decisive denial of a goal scoring opportunity. If you're that last person, that is a red card and that is an automatic ejection. I like that rule. I would say that maybe a hybrid of this is, you know, there's those bo- those, those fouls at the at- edge of the box when there's no goal scoring opportunity and they get a penalty for those. Maybe we can do away with something like that where the player has clearly drawn a foul on the edge of the box, no goal scoring opportunity and they get a penalty I struggle with those. Yeah, that kind of happened today in the, in the Wolves game. Uh, that's how the Wolves gave up one of their goals today. What about this compromise? What about shrinking the box? So that, 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 has, that takes us into an examination of the purpose of the box, which is who cares? Just where the, the goalie, question. where the goalie can, <laughs> where the goalie can grab the ball with his hands. Okay, so if you shrink the box, then the damn goalie's constrained into a little area where they can't come out in the excitement of them being around and roaming around the box. So yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Could you just get rid of the box altogether? Well, keep the box for the goalie, but then make the rule that the, you can only do penalties if it's a clear goal scoring opportunity and then like if there's just no it's just anywhere you know if there's yeah a but goal then you would have to add another you would have to have a var for the var at that point and it would just get out of control because it would almost turn into the the challenge of the nfl of what is or what's not pass interference and we all know how that went and goes 
So. I have a question for steak. So it, it, going back to the hypothetical situation, steak, in what situation do we introduce multi-ball into the premiership? We do. Let's do it. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it this weekend. Let's just get everybody going every which way and boom, 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 boom. That'd be great. Two That's balls, action. three balls. Like, just, you start with just, two, keep it. You know, we don't want to go we'll have goals we plenty. Crazy, you know, but yeah, we don't want to go too crazy, but you never know. How about one? You get one ball and it's worth, you score with that ball, it's worth one. You get a two point ball. But you can, oh, only, you can only shoot that ball from outside the box. I wish they did their substitutions like in hockey, where you just have unlimited subs and you <laughs> just go, go, go. Dude, do you, do you know how intense those guys could get if they are like, you know, hydrated and ready to go for like a 10 minute sprint, you know, just 10 minutes of all out soccer and then back to the bench for like 20, you know, get some electrolytes in you stretch it out and then boom, another 10. Every, everyone would become Adama Traore. Hell yeah. AKA my favorite player in the premiership other than Youngman's son. But the, the sprinting thing does lead me to an interesting statistic. Uh, James Rodriguez, check out his stats. They do the, they do cool stats in the Premiership. Check out his stats. Zero sprints out of James for the whole game. Wow. Compared to several other players that had they, they tracked sprints. Yeah. And James had zero, and yet he was one of the best players on the pitch and scored a goal. He's a finesse player for sure. How does that even he's one of the few guys that I've actually heard of because he was such a star in the World Cup? And how is that possible that he's such a I don't he, that boggles my mind. He just sits in the middle of the pitch. He receives a pass. He dribbles. He passes, moves a little bit closer, and he, he just lives on the outside of the box. And and like you we saw with his goal and, and which we'll touch on later, right on the outside of the box, like similar to his goal in the in the World Cup, which made him so him blow up so much. He he just he's just a finesse player. That's that's all I'll that's all I can say about it. I don't know that these two are any bit related in playing style, but there was another famous Colombian who you guys might remember who a lot of people thought played lazy and slow, and yet he was always in control and one of the best players the game has seen uh, in the in the in the world, especially in our more modern World Cup era. That was Carlos Valderrama, the hair. He did not move at all, and he just maintained control. Maybe that's a Colombian thing. I don't know. Was this similar to like a big NBA player just like living in the post where he's just kind of like just stand down there and just give me the ball, I'll score, I'll make something happen? Well, it's more of they, you know, they, they, it's not considered a sprint because they're just, you know, slowly controlling the ball and having more possession, that type of deal, and passing back and forth and conserving your energy for when you do have to, you know, when you do have a goal scoring opportunity. That's why they can strike like a freaking mom because, you know, they've been on coast the whole game. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit has to do with confidence as well. And I mean, it's he's obviously not Tom Brady, but for an American comparison, the way Tom Brady just kind of sits in the pocket so calmly, that's that's kind of how I see it because he's he's not out of control. He sees the whole field. I mean, the the assist he had was ridiculous, and that it's all based off that off of that um, calmness and like that's how his goal. Um, came up and, and we'll touch on in, in goals of the week here after we finish up our, our quick scores. So we had Arsenal um, beat West Ham 2-1. to one. We had um, Liverpool 
defeat Chelsea. Um, huge mishap by Keppa, who who looks to be on the way out. Um, Leicester beat Burnley four to two. Aston Villa beat Sheffield United one nil, and Man City topped off their um, debut of the season, beating Wolves three to one. So goals of the week. Back back touching on James Rodriguez. My goal of the week is is his left-footed missile outside of the box, calm and collected, one touch to get to gain that extra yard and just send an absolute missile into the to the bottom right corner of the net. Um, the keeper had zero zero chance. My uh, my goal of the week was uh, assisted on by uh, by James. I think uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Which was a sick assist, by the it's way. It's sick, yeah. Such a, I mean, that's the assist of the week, too. But yep. there's, there's a few things prettier in sports and a beautiful, like, touch pass in that situation, like, back close to the net. Like, and it was just a beautiful pass, and then there's a little touch, and then boom, back to the net. It was so pretty. Yep. Agreed. Well, I had previously wanted to say that Costa was my goal of the week because of the – just the angle that that leads – player hit that goal with the ball bounce but I'm going to now of course fully embrace my homerism and go with Son's first goal against the run of play which of course I detailed earlier the just the, the pirouette the, the the roulette by Tangi and Dombele who we also think has great potential to then break open the midfield pass it to Kane Kane one touches it across the entire defense and Son is beyond goal no angle nails it far left corner and you could just see the emotion he knew how important it was mine is uh it's gonna actually be costa's second goal um i just loved how from the time when in the frame that the whoever passed him the ball you know releases it or you know gets gets done passing it he's not even in the frame and then he just comes out of nowhere and just boom just strikes it in it it was all it was uh exhilarating for sure that, that predatory instinct when that pass back happens and the striker makes that gamble to fill that space is the, the, is the culmination of the training that we don't see. You know, they just know that they're going to be there. You know, they, they know to pass into those spaces and they see the space and, 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 they, and they just have to rely that the player is going to get there and the striker has to make that gamble and shoot into that space. And there's nothing more beautiful than a pass back goal and a strike like that. So, yeah, I also love that, that second cost of goal as well. Yeah, no doubt. There was all kind of beauties um, out there this, this match day too. So speaking of things of the week, um, one of my favorite things to do is when I'm scrolling through, um, watching the pregame, um, highlights is looking at the the lineups and then I always go to the subs because there's always names that you've never um, seen before there's a lot of different names that uh, that you don't quite see often so this is one thing that I'm going to go with so my name of the week and probably one that I wouldn't want to have but I found some humor in it so let it sit for a minute our name of the week is backup midfielder for Southampton Will Smallbone. Wouldn't want to have that name for a number of reasons. <laughs> All righty, let's take questions <laughs> here. <laughs> we're laughing, we're laughing. It's all, we're just on mute. That was good. No, I wanted it to sit. I like the dead fish. All right, so we uh, 
if you don't follow us, if you're not one of our 14 followers on Twitter, hit us up at Relegated FC on Twitter. We posted a, a mailbag sequence this um, this morning to try to get some of you listeners involved. And we had one one good question coming from at Waffle House. Waffle House, but with two P's instead of two F's. He asked us, he said, which teams in the English Premier League's kits do you like the most? And in parentheses, he says, did I use kit correctly? Well, Mr. Waffle House, you did use kit correctly indeed. And I'll start off, and I will say that top to bottom, um, my favorite kits in the Premier League are Crystal Palace. I love the, the stripes that they use. I love the red and blue um, and white colors that they have. Um, so, so the Eagles are definitely going to be, be my favorites. I'm not quite sure uh, which kit it was for West Brom, but those like yellow and green ones, those are my yellow favorite. and green, yellow and green vertical stripes. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite. Those things are pretty dope. I'm going to be lame here and say Man City. Uh, I just I, I like that light blue that they have. And They're so clean, they always, man. They just they and they do some great. Did anyone see what they had on today? Yeah, their, the their pink, it's like it's like a. <laughs> Paisley. It had Paisley yeah. in it. It had Paisley Crazy. in it. So yeah, Man City just continues to push the edge on kits. Well, new to this, I haven't seen a lot of these so-called kits, which means uniforms. Um, <laughs> I do like the Newcastle. Hold on, hold on, Kevin. Kevin, we're talking. We're talking about jerseys, not first aid kits. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 I like how it's white with the red cross on it. It has like band-aids and stuff inside. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Newcastle, the black and white vertical, I think it's pretty dope. I hate to admit it, part of the reason I became a Newcastle fan. Hey, did uh, I know you saw the uh, Isaac the the Southampton with the little um, sash? Those kind of look like first aid kits. Yeah, they were all right. Um, speaking of kits, you know, I I. I if it hasn't been discussed, but I played soccer my whole life and I, and I still play. And when we see someone come out, especially when it's a pickup and they're rolling, wearing a full kit, we call them a full kit wanker. I don't know if anyone's heard that term before, but uh, it's definitely something that you ought to check out. It's like the guy who rolls up and plays pickup basketball and they're wearing like Jordan top to bottom. And you just know they're going to suck. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. What about for running? Can you wear like just all Nike? Is that allowed? Not well, if I'm not like, trying to make rules. <laughs> not if it's like all Usain Bolt certified stuff. That that would fit into that same category. Oh, dang it. Okay. So then Okay, so by I, the I'm way, a nerd then. Oh, sorry. Googled full kit wankers and there's a Twitter account with 201,000 followers <laughs> and it's full underscore underscore kit wanker. And the description is, we won't rest until the world is rid of full kit wankers. If you see a grown man wearing a full kit, take a pic and send it to us. We'll share wow. and shame them. That is my newest follow here in a few minutes. All right. Second to last, we have our predictions for match week three. So we got two games we're going to break down, um, predict on Everton and Crystal Palace, two of the surprises of this year. Both 2-0 sitting um, sitting in the top four of the table. 
So Everton Crystal Palace, I'll start off and I'm going to say a 1-1 draw here. I feel like both teams are going to come out um, kind of defensive, knowing that they both had a good start to the year um, and are and are wary of, of what each other has done so far. And I feel like it'll be a, a defensive battle um, and a 1-1 and a draw. Uh, I'm going for a bit more uh, goal scoring, probably just because I want to see some some action. Crystal Palace three, Everton two. Very nice. So uh, Crystal Palace three one because that's the vodka I'm drinking right now. Fair enough. <laughs> nice. Uh, this is tough. I do like that we're like really tracking Crystal Palace and Everton. We've kind of leaned into these two clubs I told a lot. You last so week somehow it's just, I don't know why it's happened, but we are just leaning into Palace and Everton, even though they're uh, highly unlikely to get relegated. We need uh, wolves. This is a too. tough. This is a tough one. Uh, well, Wolves kind of. Um, hmm, man. Um, it, I'm going to go Palace 3 2. It's in London. I think that Everton, you know, they got to make that two and a half hour uh, bus trip or that one hour flight uh, from Liverpool. And uh, although there's no fans, that's not to be diminished the trip. Yeah. And Tottenham versus Newcastle is our second matchup that we're going to break down. I don't think we need Isaac's um, prediction here. He's obviously going to go home or Tottenham, probably 5-0. So we'll skip him. I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Um, I feel like Tottenham's going to come off their high horse a little bit. Newcastle's going to make a little bounce back game. So I'm going 2-2 draw. I'm going to go... Tottenham three, Newcastle two. I just think there's a bit of a, of a talent gap there uh, from what I've seen from Newcastle so far. The uh, the newfound Newcastle homer in me wants to say one up in Newcastle, but I don't think they're ever going to score a goal based on what I saw. But let's go uh, Tottenham four nothing. I like it. Isaac, I have, not, nothing, I have nothing to add to that. I'm, I'm going to just have to agree with Steak. Um, I just – I think that the, the vibes, the good vibes are going to continue. If it was Tottenham playing, you know, uh, a tougher opponent, I certainly would not be rolling hard on the homerism because I still think we got a lot of issues as a club, uh, like I said earlier, with the center back. And I still don't know what our attacking midfield is. Maybe it's Tangy. Maybe it's Geo. Maybe it's a combination of both. But Newcastle just look a little shambolic, as the Brits like to say. We're going to have probably the debut of Reguillon. Um, we did have a very interesting event occur where we were supposed to play a League Cup match tomorrow that's going to be canceled because we paid for Leighton Orient's, Orient's testing. So wow. Leighton Orient's a League Two team. They're not yeah. regularly getting testing because I guess they can't afford it necessarily. Yeah. But uh, we had the wherewithal to pay for their testing. We found out that a bunch of their players are – positive and we would have had that match on Tuesday we would have had another match on Thursday which will go forward against a Macedonia club for Europa League because it's just random and we would have been playing Newcastle on Sunday so with that with that League Cup match get canceled on Tuesday I feel better about the match but if that match weren't weren't weren't, we would be playing on some tired legs by the time we rolled over with Newcastle Newcastle has no matches in between those uh, those matches that Um, I know yeah, have you have you seen anything um, about if Bale's gonna make an appearance anytime soon, or are they gonna work him in through training? 
Yeah, scratch that. And uh, Newcastle does have a League Cup match as well on Wednesday. So, I mean, you know, these guys play on several fronts, which is kind of a crazy thing. I know we're focused on yeah. Premiership, but, I mean, Premiership includes following the teams that are in the Premiership and the matches that they play, uh, you know, in, uh, in all the fronts of battle that they, that they uh, battle on. Bale is was uh, they gave a pretty generous conservative prediction of one month until his debut to recover from a knee injury that he sustained in his international duty against Wales. I think we'll see him a little bit sooner than that, but they're not going to rush this. I mean, we spent, you know, double digit million dollars for loan, I think. Uh, you know, it's a one season loan with the second season option. I don't see us rushing him in. What's the rush? Just we're, we scored five goals just now. I think we need to ease him in. Yeah, I agree 100%. All right, so to wrap things up, we are always going to give you the bottom three of who's currently in the bottom three of the standings, which means they would be getting relegated if the season ended today. Not much of a surprise. Um, Fulham and West Brom back down there after – they were in there after match week one. And newcomers to the bottom three are Southampton. I believe it was West Ham who joined Fulham and West Brom last week. So Southampton takes those, the place of West Ham off of goal differential. So nothing too crazy, nothing too excited. Usually the first two weeks you get a Man U or a, or a, uh, a Liverpool down in the, in the bottom three and it, it makes for some good chatter. But of course not here because this is relegated FC and we have zero content to give you, but we appreciate you guys joining us again. And we look forward to giving it, giving you some more bottom three content next week. Hey,